King DDD is one of the most memorable video game bosses of all time, but how did he get that way? First appearing in the series opener, Kirby's Dreamland, he's maintained a reasonably consistent moveset and formula ever since. But whereas in the other game series, having over 10 rematches with a boss could get tedious and repetitive, the fights with DDD still find new ways to build past this. And this is where the genius of HAL Laboratory's design kicks in. Starting off, let's zone in on how exactly his moveset has been treated across the series. Playing through the games, it's easy to notice that a large part of his fighting style circles back to his first ever moves. So if you pick up and start playing a Kirby title, rest assured that he's going to be doing running head slides, swiping his hammer, breathing in to swallow you whole, and his classic jump up and slam down technique. This formula, if you will, can then be built upon through subtle tweaks without ruining the iconic flow of one of the fights. For example, the DS's Squeak Squad. This pattern receives some juice as a new summoning attack is added to the regular mix, allowing for a parasol waddle D to come to serve the king. Or if we focus in on his jump up and slam down technique, also known as up B from Smash Bros, we can see how the game is built upon this simple execution to make some more complex difficulty. In Star Allies, instead of his typical one and done jump, he'll chain together three leaps, since it will increase his chances of weakening the party. That's an important note to hit on here. Rarely will these moves be tweaked in any way that ruins the memorable pattern that stood for decades, but they will shift just the right amount to better encompass a particular game's themes. Through this, Hal can have the king utilize virtually the same battle strategy, but fight around with certain elements that make each fight feel so significant. And also worth noting here, is that this makes sure that every time they do break their own formula, it hits that much harder. It's the reason we freaked out about buff DDD and Star Allies, and why the design of Mass DDD can still be so striking. Neither of those fights really play like how we can expect a King DDD fight to play out, but they still fit our connection to the character. The rest of the games establish something so familiar with their consistencies in their design, that when we get one of these DDD fights that breaks a convention, it really flips the script. Ultimately, this makes the whole thing a lot more interesting, and develops him into a much more lovable character because of it. But hey, if we're going to talk about how King DDD was such a memorable character, we need to study his ever-improving roles in the series narrative. If we take a look at the inaugural title, he seems to meet the basic criteria for a villain in a cute and cartoony platformer. The plot centers around the big baddie stealing all the food in Dreamland and selfishly hoards it to itself. Okay, maybe it's not winning an Oscar for storytelling anytime soon, but it's simplistic and charming enough to work. So you finish him off with a final blow and send him flying out of his castle, clean and easy. After this first game, however, his whole place in the series takes a complete shift. Kirby's adventure and its later GBA remake in Nightmare in Dreamland have DDD destroying the fabled Star Rod, rendering the mythical fountain useless. Despite this, taking down the foe only reveals his ulterior motive. He wasn't trying to control the fountain, but rather to prevent the rise of Nightmare, and even greater evil. He also helps Kirby to take down this newer enemy by giving you a route up to go defeat the greater bad guy. Dreamland 2 really establishes a common theme of King DDD, only fighting against Kirby because he's possessed by some form of evil being or manipulative force. Seriously, this pattern shows up in a shocking amount of King DDD face-offs. Actually, go ahead and make a guess on how many times you think he appears possessed in some way, shape, or form in the series down below. I know I wasn't expecting the number to be this high. Alright, so in Dreamland 2, he's controlled by Dark Matter and used as a sleeping puppet the whole match. Dreamland 3 and the N64's Crystal Shards both show him becoming some form of disturbing stomach-mouth version of himself. Really, it's kinda creepy. This concept comes back in the 3DS with Tranza using the big guy like a marionette and working him as some form of stand-in boss. 
And finally, Star Alice has a Jamba Heart corrupting DDD and making him into a super beefcake version of himself. So, that brings up the total to about 5 different games where he's possessed by some different spirit or entity to fight Kirby unwillingly. I mean, that's not even including the less traditional titles of Mass Attack and Kirby's Epic Yarn, where some unexplained flame thing and Yin Yarn control him, respectively. Or games where he appears as some form of Shadow or Clone. There's definitely a strong consistency here. So it begs the question, why does Hal keep returning to this format? Well, it's because, as far as the story goes, Kirby and the King settled things out a while back. I mean, ever since uniting with a common enemy of Dark Matter and the like, the two work much closer as the series progresses. Return to Dreamland and Star Allies even make the guy a playable second character, solidifying him much more as a friend than a foe of the franchise. And if I had to guess where the change comes in, it all stems back to that original depiction of King DDD in Kirby's Game Boy debut. In that game, his characterization is ultimately just a more selfish version of the same appetite that Kirby has. Even his moves show this, with each attack relating back to one of Kirby's earlier techniques. And the reason that character arc can't stay as consistent as, say, Bowser kidnapping Peach, is that there's nothing inherently wrong with King DDD's motives. He's just misguided, which I think is the best word to describe the guy. Even if we go back to his decisions in Nightmare and Dreamland, he disrupts the Star Rod and subsequently the Fountain to keep the folks of the region safe from much stronger evil. Sure, his methods don't always sync up great with his intentions, but that's a part of his improvement throughout the games. Even in the specific mode for him to get his revenge in Superstar Ultra, he states the rematches just to settle the record between him and Kirby. This is a character that hoarded all of the food in Dreamland for his own selfish purposes, now willing to sport you a hammer for a clean fight, and later go so far as to help you on your quest. And, if you ask me, that's the reason why the more recent games seem to be distancing DDD from the greater villain as much as possible. So we get him as the first boss in Squeak Squad, even though it wasn't his fault. Or clones of his DNA from the Holtman Works Company in Planet Robobot. To explore more intense bad guy bosses in these games, the lovable king gets fittingly separated from the others, as he loses his place to the final boss and instead migrates over to a side character. And really, that's what I would say makes the character's arc with the series so great. How he's been able to gravitate away from the more standardized villain spotlight, yet still stay relevant within the greater Kirby story. So I, for one, am all for the direction this big penguin goofball's been taking. And I'd love to see his charming progression continue on, even if it means he has to leave behind the boss status.